Hello, and welcome to Children's Friendships Matter, a podcast about children's friendships post-COVID-19. In this, the second of two episodes, Karen talks to Professor Chris Pascal, OBE, and Professor Tony Bertram, directors of the Centre for Research in Early Childhood, or CREC, based at the St Thomas Children's Centre in Birmingham. In this episode, Karen talks to Tony and Chris about the role of adults in children's friendships, time and friendship, hope and optimism. What opportunities and challenges are there in these new times for children's friendships and well-being? And I wondered, Tony, if you might be able to start here. I really wanted to say something about the adults, because I think, you know, that that's part of the context in which children are, are growing up. and. Uh, the well-being of, of, of the adults obviously influences the well-being of the children. And particularly, I, I'm worried about practitioners, early years practitioners. I'm worried about their professionalism, which I think at some level is being undermined because now they're becoming more like technicians that are required to deliver uh, packages of knowledge which is then tested, as I say, under this metric system. And we're losing the professionalism and that uh, ability for teachers and and other early years practitioners to individualise their response to children. That's one of the things. There's also something to do with what Jack Whitehead calls living contradictions, that they have certain personal principles and they will have professional principles, and then they will have the things that they're required to do. And sometimes those are all in conflict. And that is quite difficult to live with. I'm being asked to do this, but I actually don't believe in what it is that I'm being asked to do this because of some of those things that Chris was saying, you know, yeah, but I'm in a hurry and I know I'm going to death, so I've got to do it like this. And I think that issue of us continually to pressurize both the children and, and the practitioners, and including parents in that. You know, yeah, sure, the home learning environment, but it's not it, the home learning environment is an important issue in children's development. You know, there's a research evidence on that. But it's not just about sticking magnets on the fridge. It's not just about, you know, all of those things that nice middle-class mums do. It's actually just about engaging and talking with your children and having a space to do that. And another study that we did on austerity showed the impact. You know, we talk about the trickle-down economy. Actually, what trickled down was the poverty. So that when we talk to parents uh, in a setting in an area where many of them were on, um, you know, contractual work, uh, where they had to be on the end of the phone, I can't go to the, I can't go out to the the park like I used to because I've got to be here in case I get, you know, or else I lose my benefits. I, I can't go to the park because the park keeper isn't there. And uh, I used to be able to go there and watch the kids play and talk to other mums about child rearing practices, you know, about bedwetting or whatever it was. But I can't go there now because the park keeper is peripatetic. He has to go up to three parks and the big kids are let out of the secondary school too early and they run up the slide the wrong way and all of that kind of stuff. But what you saw is that the impact of those cuts and austerity was impacting on the very people who most needed it. So I, th- I think those issues for both parents and, and for practitioners um, about, you know, it's being supported. 
parent friendships are quite important and giving them the opportunity not i mean i would recommend that people have a parents morning every now every you know once a week or something where they create a forum for them where they can talk to each other uh, and you can get to know them too uh, i think that's hugely important this business of having forums for discussion for practitioners for parents for them to come together um, and, and to have that space individually the whole issue of professionalism and most of all this this jack whitehead about living contradictions i think that's quite tough to live with and when you say professionalism i kind of get that sense of um you know often practitioners really know what children need and they're really good at tuning into what children need but yet they've got these other as agendas and sometimes that kind of you know it's like we've only got so much time but we need to do this and yeah I can see what you're saying there and I'm talking particularly also about policy because clearly there's an issue with child care costs and I want to trouble the notion of what child care you know or, or can we talk about early years development in care you know it's not just about the workforce agendas and getting more women into work and so on. But childcare costs is an issue because the, the budgets have been cut over the last 21 years, you know, enormously. And the result of that is that, uh, you know, if you talk about professionalism, it's going to cost us more. You're talking about, you know, giving CPD, that's going to cost us more. So now people have to go and, 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 and learn about things from, forgive me, not podcasts, but there's all kinds of things out there on, on the web some of which actually, you know, I, I would seriously disagree with, but they're there and available and they're free. You know? So, But I do think there's the whole issue around professionalism and there's a danger, and again, I'm talking about early years practice, there's a danger of us losing our professionalism and just having people who are technicians who are trained to deliver whatever it is that they're given to deliver because they know they're going to be tested. That's great, thank you. And did you want to add anything to that, Chris? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to kind of... Flip it up, because I think I think we are at a point where, you know, globally and nationally, I mean, I think that a reckoning is happening. We're living with the consequences of our actions, but I think a reckoning is being taken. There's a reckoning on the environment being had. There's a reckoning on social mobility. There's a reckoning on preparation for things. So I think it's also an opportunity for a recalibration and a rethink and Certainly, I, I try to live my life in an optimistic way, and and I do trust if we can get it right for this generation of children coming through, they're going to be living with the consequences of what this reckoning is going to do. But when I, I spend time with children deliberately, because they inspire me with their optimism and their resilience and their capacity to think differently and do things differently. You look at the young people around Greta Thunberg and all that, you know, that, that they are not going to do and tolerate what some of us in our generation have done. So I, I, try, I try always to be optimistic about futures because we have to be. But I also think what we've lived through and are living through is we are reckoning. And I think it is an opportunity to recalibrate and rethink about what the quality of our lives are in terms of family life. And I think COVID gave us an opportunity with homeworking and that to kind of many people have said, I don't want to go back to what I was doing before because I had a different and maybe a better life working in this kind of way. I think many practitioners going to Tony's 
um, thing about being a living culture. I know I don't agree with that. And I know what my children in my class or my group need. And I'm going to spend time on that and maybe a bit stronger about knowing what what where their loyalties and priorities should lie. And certainly the dialogues we're having in our research and in our training that we do are with leaders and practitioners who are deeply rethinking through their curriculum and really importantly their pedagogy and trying to navigate a different slightly more balanced path with all of that because they know and understand that the children need that their children need that and their loyalties to those children I'm hoping that we'll get politicians that can make more informed choices about about and and lead in a different kind of way and uh, you know I, I, I'm sorry but our work is in a political context that has shaped where we are now which has not been great but it's not been we've got huge developments in medicine and and in and in and knowing how we live well together England is generally a tolerant inclusive welcoming place and I really get the sense that that we're moving away from that close the borders and close the thing and to be more opening and welcoming and I'm coming back to the theme of this congress is that we have these friendships across these boundaries and across these differences and and have the humanity and the uh, and the talked about compassion and empathy to say we can do better than this and we we will do better than this. And there's no better place to start than those who work with younger children because you're creating those those citizens of the future who will do better than what's been done, I'm hoping. But we are part of that change now. We can create in our daily work and life with children. If all of us recalibrated a little bit and, and enabled children and practitioners and families to spend time on being together. And I think it's the togetherness that will solve these issues, not the separateness. So I, I think friendships and relationships and the collaboration of that, the partnerships, we're all of us stronger together, not, not apart. And we need to set that, that atmosphere, that ethos and that climate in our early year settings that when we're here, we're a collective, we're we together and we're inclusive and we're respectful and we celebrate those individuals, but we work together on joint project, not, not individual journeys, but a collective journey together. And we care about the big questions about the planet and living in peace and harmony and having a voice and listening well to each other. These are the things that our work is, is about. And, and friendships thrive. And social networks thrive in those kinds of climates. That's what I, I and Crick and our colleagues believe in passionately. And we're trying to put those priorities through our work back into settings. And I, I remain optimistic, ruthlessly optimistic about it. <laughs> yeah, I really like that. It, this is, um, I think it's, uh, we're coming to a sort of um, nice close point here in terms of like that hopeful optimistic feel for the future and for children and children's friendships so just finally 
Is there anything that you would like the listeners to sort of take from this? For me, five things. I mean, we've talked about flourishment. We've talked about uh, friendships. We've talked about professionalisms. And we've talked about, well, I certainly mentioned seeing children as individuals and treating them as individuals. And I think the, the fifth thing would be entrepreneurship, which might be a surprising thing. To, I think children should be encouraged to be entrepreneurial. And by that, I mean that they should be allowed to make choices. I mean, an, an entrepreneur is somebody who sees an opportunity to do something different and to make changes. To do that, young children would have to have agency. It had to be voice. They'd have to have curiosity and imagination. I'm happy for metrics of these to be invented and to be used more fully. I don't see us doing that. But to develop an entrepreneur who wants to do something differently for the future, because that's what the future's got to be about. It's got to be about change and adaptability to all the things that we face, including sustainability and all the other aspects of, um, you know, the UN, UN Charter. So, yeah, entrepreneurship, I think, is quite an interesting uh, thing. Um, allowing children imagination, as to say, and autonomy and choice and to see things slightly differently. It requires us to listen to them. Yeah, definitely listening. And I really like your points there, Chris, around being hopeful and optimistic. Um, is there anything else that you wanted to add to that? I think time and temporality is how how we spend time together and the timing of things and allowing days to have fast time and slow time. We need to sometimes be hurried a bit and to be, you know, because we need to get things done, but we also need to slow things down. So, so I think being conscious of how we spend and offer time and make time available. A, a little bit more uh, compassion to each other and ourselves about about what's possible uh, and what we can do. The hope is this kind of deep belief in yourself and in those around you to, that you can change things, that we don't have to go on like we are, but it is possible to imagine a different world and a different day and a different space and a different way to live and, and to start thinking, what can I do to start that, that going? And, and it, this belief that things can get better and and but that I'm beginning to hate these slogans of build back better but we can do better than we've been doing and we can do it differently to what we've been doing and that starts right now in daily life and that it's the small things not the grand the big it's not the big projects it's the small things how you introduce in your daily life moments when joy can come in or affection can come in or excitement, or serendipity, or, or or a deep immersion in something, or you can just take time to stand and watch your children, because children teach you that, that if you really get close to a child and watch what they do and and follow their lead, they can teach you as well as you teach them. So it's this learning collectively together and giving yourself permission to do that, not feeling that you've got to hold the power and control everything all the time. Letting go a little bit of that is is really important. Thank you very much. I feel during this podcast, we're talking to both you, Tony and Chris, I've been doing a lot of nodding 
as we've gone along and I've, I've been thinking stop doing that but each time you've been saying things I've been nodding so it's been really great to talk to you I really appreciate it thank you very much thank you for listening to this podcast for more information on Karen's research and other related podcasts please visit https colon forward slash forward slash research dot shu dot ac dot uk forward slash friends this podcast was made possible by a fellowship opportunity funded by sheffield hallam university